0: Hi, this is Kerry Muelstein, and you're about to listen to what I think is a very special episode where Rabbi Tarnas and I discuss and wrestle with issues of of joy and pain and struggle and suffering and growth. And uh, we have some good wrestles and discussions with it. I just uh, want you to be aware that as we do so, I mention I don't describe, but as I'm thinking of some of the worst kinds of suffering, uh, I mention... Uh, the existence of some kinds of assaults that I know uh, hearing mentioned can be traumatic triggers for some people. And so I just wanted to make you aware of that ahead of time, that we will mention that and that if this is a kind of trigger you want to avoid, you should know of it ahead of time. Now, I hope you'll enjoy the episode. It's deep, but I think it can have some, some real growth to it. Thank you. Hello and welcome to The Scriptures Are Real. This is the podcast where we talk about elements of the scriptures that have made them become real to us because we believe that helps us draw more power from them. I'm your host, Kerry Yulstein, and I'm so happy to have back with me uh, our wonderful special guest, Rabbi Joe Charnas. Welcome, Rabbi.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Professor. So honored to be here looking forward to what I hope is uh, reflection on on our brother James, Jacob, Jacobus in Greek. That's right. <laughs> that
0: will leave us with with much to to reflect on. I, I'm I'm sure we will. So, uh, for those of you who don't uh, maybe are brand new to the podcast, we had uh, the the rabbi on uh, when we did Colossians not very long ago. And so, uh, to learn more about him and his interfaith work and how we got connected and all that kind of thing, I'd encourage you to go and and listen to that episode. Um, Before we get going today, let me maybe just take care of a little bit of business. Uh, We would love for everyone to um, take advantage of an opportunity that I've created to maybe uh, help you for Christmas or something where the the books that I've uh, published with Covenant Communications uh, from November 15th to December 15th, if you get on Siegel Book and you enter in the code CARRY25, you get 25% off. I, again, would recommend the Isaiah book if you're preparing to do uh, the Book of Mormon, because it will help you with all the different places that's in there. And uh, some other books their Christmas gifts, whatever else. Uh, and also, we'll ask you to you know download, review, rate, whatever it is that you can do on your platform to help share this message. Uh, and I'll tell you a little bit of why we're doing this. So. Um. By now, I I hope you've already listened to the the first episode for this week, which was uh Lamar Newmeyer and I going through James. Um, and uh, we'd recorded that, and and literally within a few hours after that, uh, Rabbi Joe called me and he said, "You know what? I love James. I'd love to do James with you." And I said, "Ha, I love James too. Let's do it again. And I'm sure we'll we'll do it differently." Uh, Lamar and I tried to cover a good portion of the book, whereas I believe that uh, the good Rabbi and I will just. We we'll, we won't get very far. You'll remember in Colossians, I think we got through verse two, um, <laughs> and uh, uh, this one we may not get much further than that. Although we'll have a little more time because we spent a lot of time talking about General Conference and so on. Right. So, uh, anything else you'd like to to do in way of introduction? Uh, good, good Rabbi.
1: No, I am just so honored again and delighted that that we have this opportunity to be able to reflect on a very holy and wise text i'll i'll discuss a little more on james when i when i speak but james is a book that is worth revisiting and revisiting and i have a special although i'm a rabbi and the new testament isn't part of my quote official sacred body of literature in in my textual heritage uh, I do study New Testament, as you know, and I do find tremendous, tremendous insight into life. And James, I'll explain this more as as we progress, but James is actually, on the whole, the easiest book for me to read, to relate to, to encounter the wisdom that is throughout all of the New Testament. But the way James, the Apostle James speaks is much more accessible and we'll discuss possibly why or probably why as as we go through this wonderful holy text
0: that that i'm looking forward to that and that that sounds good and it is i mean it's it's more similar to the uh the hebrew bible than other new testament books so right. yeah, we'll have some great discussions on that um well the, before we got started the rabbi and i decided that we would um kind of break this up a little bit where maybe I would start a little bit with talking about some verses that I'm interested in. And uh, and we just start to kind of deep dive on those. And uh, and after a while, we'll switch and, and let him kind of uh, I mean, I, I, it's not going to be so much of a guiding a discussion because uh, knowing the two of us, I think we'll just bounce back and forth. And I should explain to our audience something that I'm sure will happen. It happens all the time. And it may happen more on this one than others. There's when you visit with someone on Zoom, there it, you can't detect it until you start having a back and forth. And then it turns out there's a little bit of a lag and you sometimes interrupt each other because you didn't understand the person was going to continue going. And and so on. And I think we're just used to that. That's kind of how you do deep dives in scriptures when you're with each other is you just get excited and you jump in and off of each other's ideas. Uh, and so hopefully our audience will just uh, be able to we're not being rude to each other. Uh, it's just the way that this works. So anyway, I'm most uh, well, I, I, I'm interested in all of the book of James, but I, I think I'm most interested in the first few verses uh, verse 1 is is uh, important, but I'd really like to jump in on verses 2 through 4, which okay. I think you actually can't understand if you don't uh, at least draw a little bit on, say, 5 through 8. And verse 5, of course, is very, very important to members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but I think we'll understand it better, including what Joseph Smith was getting out of it, by really understanding verses 2 through 4. So. Maybe we'll just start with verse two. If when we get to your turn, if we want to go back to verse one, I'm good with that. Um, But does that sound good? Perfect. uh, Although, why not read
1: verse one out of honor to the name of the book,
0: since that's where we get it. And we can do actually the the real name, if you'd like. Uh, James is an odd, and I talked about this in the first episode with uh, Lamar, but it's an odd way of translating the name Yaakov, but... uh, uh, I don't know when, where the M came from yeah. or the S. It 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 isn't the way that you, you normal transliteration would render yeah. this name. Um, That's very
1: interesting. Yeah. Do you know the history behind that?
0: I don't. I've always wondered the history, and I don't know. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's. Uh, uh, I was going to make a bad joke, so I won't do it. But anyway, okay. Um, but uh, I I do find it interesting, especially since I have a son named Jacob. I like to. Give, give Jacob his credit. So, uh, but it is Jacob. Anyway, Go. why don't you go ahead and read it and, and talk about, let's talk about whatever you'd like to with verse one.
1: Oh, well, uh, well, I would love to hear your. I was just saying we would just start with verse
0: one as you, as, as right. the
1: entry way into verse two through verses two through four for
0: your reflection. Sounds good. And there are a couple of things that actually I think are worth noting in verse one that help us understand two through four. So, you're 100% right. Yeah, we've got uh, Yaakov or Jacobus, if we're doing the, the Greek, uh, a, a servant. And I think we could probably better translate this as, as like bond servant or even slave of God. Uh, and I think he is trying to, you know, we, we don't like that word. We don't like to say we're anyone's slave. But I think actually that, that Jacob or James is trying to say something here. He, he thinks of himself as a bond servant. Uh, yes. or a slave to God and and that fall comes into play with what I'll talk about after this. So yeah. he's a a bondservant or a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ and then his his audience is really interesting to the 12 tribes which are sc- scattered abroad or which I mean dispersed is the word that the English word that comes from this Greek word like that we often will also say diaspora that have been dispersed or or scattered throughout the world. Uh, and he's including all twelve tribes, so these aren't just you know after the Babylonian captivity, but even uh all of the tribes uh that are scattered abroad, and he will kind of break this into twelve different parts. So that's worth thinking about. But uh, but he James is addressing uh everyone, but he's the the guy who's in charge in Jerusalem and has a special uh way of or special job to take care of the original christians who are all jews right and um and he has that in his mind i think it's clear as he goes through a very hebrew way of writing and and uh that he's writing to everyone who can become part of the house of israel but he is writing to the house of israel so sorry that's that's just my little intro i don't know if you'd like to say more on that oh, or...
1: oh it, it it is it's and and we will discuss more one verse one if depending on where our conversation leads us with, with time. But it is interesting that, and it's a very important point I think you highlight, there weren't 12 tribes back in James's day. We yeah. lost 10 Northern tribes, and essentially we had basically Judah at yeah. that point. Yeah. Yet he still is seeing that overall vision of the entirety of the Jewish community. And I think on on a probably an, it is another discussion but that is a very universal way of looking at humanity yeah. he is doing it through the prism a very jewish prism james is probably from my understanding the earliest one of the earliest if not the earliest book and and that's why his language is so familiar to me it's yeah. it's not quote the christian Form yet in fact if you look at chapter two for a moment and then we'll get right back if you look okay, at chapter I'm two of james uh verse two 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 it says for in the king james for if there come into your assembly a man and so forth but just yeah. if they're coming to your assembly that word assembly in the Greek is Sunagogain. Sunagogain is synagogue. Right. They are, we were still much more unified in our communities at this point. So that that to me seems like it has a very ancient echo to it. The language is often very familiar because it's still there wasn't that parting of the ways, so to speak, yet as drastically at least.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And maybe just to kind of touch a little bit on that, I think the uh, audience will, is, it's worth knowing when we talk about uh, the tribes. Uh, in some ways, talking about Jews or tribes, is it's almost become artificial at this point because, I mean, what really happened, it, the, the word was Yehudit, which meant the tribe of Judah, but also the kingdom of Judah. And they'd had so many different times where people from all the tribes from up north came down into the southern kingdom. We can document several times where there were huge migrations that you really had people from every single tribe in the kingdom of of Yehuda that had become Yehudit by virtue of being part of the kingdom of of, uh, Judah. And uh, as a result, then, really, when he addresses what they uh, at this point we're calling Jews, it's people from every tribe anyway um all all mixed we together. never lost
1: the distinction in in the past even when they came down for the pilgrimage festivals or for anything they they had their tribal identity but it's absolutely part of an overall it was a unity diversity within unity yeah but an overall J- judah certainly became central for other historic reasons but yeah Yes, it is. It was a territory and a people. And now that's where the name Jew comes from, Judah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Good. Okay. Number two. Uh, Number two. Um, My brethren counted all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. So this is there are a number of things that I'd like to to highlight here. uh, But most especially the last couple of words. And maybe we can jump in and hone in on those words a little bit. Most of what I'd like to do in our time that that we have together here for a while is to hone in on on just a few words and understand those words well. So, I mean, diverse, that's not too hard. I mean, various or however you'd like to say that. But the word that's translated as temptations, Mm -hmm. uh, I think can be confusing for a a number of people because I don't know that temptations is really the best um, translation. And in fact, uh, th- this harkens back to a discussion you and I once had in my office the the, the word here, it really means um, to test or to, to try or to prove. There's another word that also means prove that is in verse three. But to, uh, you'll even find people who say like experiment upon or something along those lines. But it's I find it really interesting because if we were to go to a, a very foundational text that you and I discussed before, which is Genesis 22. Yeah. where you have um, the, what we call the binding of Isaac or the, the near sacrifice of Isaac. And that starts out in verse one, talking about God testing Abraham. And mm-hmm. when they translate that into Greek, the, the, uh, the, the Septuagint, which is the earliest Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, the word they use there is the same word that is used here my pronunciation of Greek is not very good, but the the word is pirasmos Um, and uh, really like an experiment, attempt to trial or to prove something uh, and so on. Uh, But I think knowing our, our author here, uh, James or Jacob and his, his deep Jewish or Hebrew background and how steeped he is in those scriptures as is apparent in this letter that he probably has that verse um, uh, uh, in Genesis 22, in mind, and so this is this is not a temptation like, "Ooh, I'd like to get you to do something bad here." This is a uh, it's a, a trial that is well it, that's designed to teach you, to train you, to help you become something different, is how I would say it. I'd love your input on that.
1: Yeah, it's and 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 you picked a wonderful verses 2 through 4 are one of the top two or three verses in in James yeah. for for the Christian community and I think for people seeking wisdom in general i it is not and and, and again i'm not a scholar of ancient english temptation might have meant simply trial back then i don't yeah. think so but because tempt we know what that word means I do think even though it might be able to have both potentially context here in a, if we're dealing with the character of God, I don't think God is a tempter. I don't think yeah. God tests yeah. us through sorrow, through struggle and pain. I think these are much more accurately described as trials and that, that root of that word as as you said, the the basic root is peron or peron, which has to do with being beyond or over, right? Like beyond the river in Matthew four, it uses it, beyond the river, across. So these trials, trials, adversities that we're experiencing, are there to help us move beyond in a way that we may not be able to reach or travel to had we not had these experiences so it's it's not something we want to use the rabbis are very very cautioning we have ideas like this we must be very very careful in using this language to a person who is suffering right but the truth of it is that there is something greater and that will lead us into that beyond that we wouldn't be able to reach had we not gone through this not a temptation but a trial, a struggle, agony, sorrow, suffering.
0: Yeah. And at least I, in my view, in the case of, uh, of Genesis 22, it's, it is agony and, and suffering and a, a trial that he's going through, but it's designed intentionally to take him to a different place. And and we spoke before about, I think there's even a, a play on words because the, the, in Hebrew that it's, you've got the, the Niseh uh, appeal form, but uh, anyway, uh, of, a uh, of a word that I think does mean to to train or to have a trial, but it's it's a almost a homophone with uh, another word n- nisa, which means to lift up. Right. Uh, In fact, it's the word that we often uh, translate as uh, an enzyme or to lift an enzyme or a standard, right, to lift up something that is a lifted up thing. It's kind of how it is. Uh, But I think it is this play on large, like we are going to put you through a trial, but one that is designed to lift you to a different place or, as you said, take you beyond to transform you, to make you something greater than what you are now and what you could be without this experience.
1: Yeah. And and it's not accidental that James uses this language as a as an early—I don't even think they used the word Christian back then—but as a as yeah. an early Jewish follower of Jesus. Yeah, he was still so rooted. It hadn't been the Judaism hadn't been incorporated as much into the non-Jewish surrounding Christian world or, or yeah. the, the non-Jewish uh, the Hellenistic the, the world. OK, it, this was still much more Jewish. So you can hear yeah. echo more deeply if if you look for them. They are there because yeah. he is rooted in that world. You're right. Yeah. You're right. And
0: especially there in Jerusalem. I mean, he's he's in Jerusalem and this is I mean, they are very, very Jewish in their Christianity. Um, we could say. Uh, absolutely. and And so I think that helps us understand verse three a little bit. Right. So he first of all, he's counting it a joy. Right. So. that's hard for all of us. And as you said, we have to be careful. I I have some friends who are going through terrible trials right now, very difficult things. And, and this is not the time to go and say, well, this is a joy for you to go through these trials. Um, But at some point I hope for all of us, we can look back on trials and, and sometimes you can do it a little bit as you're in the midst and sometimes not, but hopefully you can eventually look back and say, that has brought me to a, a, a different place, and I am glad for that. And that can be where that joy is, right?
1: Yes, and I, I'll, I'll be honest. This is one of my favorite sections of James that you have highlighted. And we'll get into it in in more detail as we progress. This should be on everybody's. If you had a placard in your house of a verse to quote, this is one of them. It's that, it's that profound, but I, this year, and we'll see if it's a direction that you want to go or not. As we progress, I had a different reaction. In addition, in addition to the, this wonderful source of, of, of guiding light for us in life, I had a different reaction that if, if it's, if it's something that intrigues you, we'll, we'll go with it later.
0: All right. All right. Hey, let's do go there. In significant,
1: a minute. That word for joy in a few moments But that word for joy, chara, or kara, you might say in in ways of pronouncing it, it's not accidental that it's elementally almost basically charis or karis or grace. It's joy and grace. They are etymological cousins here. And so it is saying something here very, very different about suffering that we often, that's not how we often respond with. That this is a grace or this is joy. Our usual response is woe and why. And this isn't a criticism. Right. Our response so often is anger and bitterness and sorrow and why. And so there is something very it's it's a it's a level that is quite high. I'll yeah. I'll start off with that. It is a level that is almost beyond to go back to the other word. <laughs> it right. is almost beyond most of us or many of us. So it's, it is a rich verse to start with, and it's and it's such a he didn't even give us an introduction, right? He just starts off with boom. Yeah. All right, folks, here's the final test of life, and I'm starting with yeah. this verse one or verse two. Yeah,
0: yeah. After his very brief greeting or hello, right? Um, yeah. So yeah. this is the uh,
1: first verse, right?
0: And I want to make sure we leave time for uh, the, the, some of these other ideas you've had, but uh, I want to kind of highlight at least a couple things uh, in, in three and four. So um, knowing this, that the trying and that's a different word there, that's the word that kind of means to prove or to, to, to test, not in the uh, not at, still in a developmental way, but a little less developmental, uh, right. more of a let's we're going to see what happens with this. But the, the trying of your faith worketh, and we have this word translated here as patience. Um, maybe, in fact, I think I will uh, read you a couple of different um, translations of that, because I don't think that that's the, the. again, I, I really love the King James translation, but I'm not sure that faith, I mean, uh, patience is the best word here. So uh, the Net Bible, uh, they say, produces, the testing of your faith produces endurance or the new international vision or version, the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Mm -hmm. Uh, And those are the two that were at steadfastness is one that we get. So we get endurance, perseverance, steadfastness, endurance in another translation. This one, I have to, I, I kind of like it. And I kind of don't the, the message uh, you helped me know that's what MSG stood for, but the Message Bible. Uh, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors, is how they say it. I don't know, but um, it, it's actually a useful way of looking at it, even though I'm not in love with the, the language. Um, uh, but uh, we've got endurance again. So endurance and steadfastness and perseverance are our more common ways of translating that. And I, 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 like those translations. I think that's really what he's getting at here is the, uh, the ability, the, the, what's going to happen when you go through these trials that are going to transform you is they transform you into someone who can endure or persevere. And, and uh, it, it, I want to get your comment on that, but I want to immediately turn it into tie it into something else. But but let this endurance or this patience in verse four have her perfect work, that yeah. you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. That's maybe the word I want to explore the most is this word that's translated as, as perfect here. In Greek it's it's the telios like uh kind of looking long term or or uh finished. But I'm I'm convinced he's thinking of the word uh in Hebrew that uh, tamim or in Arabic Tamam uh this word and i've explored this uh last year and a long time ago and and uh on the podcast when we were doing old testament but uh that's a word i'd I'd love your take on that word and then i have some more maybe i'd love to to add to it but uh what are your feelings about uh tamim or telios or, or being perfect
1: uh can, can we start at the beginning yeah
0: let's do one, three just to lead us into yeah, yeah, let's do, because that's what I want to do, is, is see how all of these things tie together. So, yeah, please, let's
1: do. And, and they do, they, we will need a little bit of five through eight, because yeah. there's a direct link in the, Absolutely. between four and five. But, yeah, verse three begins with, how do they do it in the King James here? Sorry. Uh, it's knowing this. Knowing, that, yeah. knowing. And that's important. It's in grammar, it's a participle, which is something you're doing. Yeah. This is, this is this insight here. This teaching in verse two is something not that we're just to know, it's something that is ongoing. It is a knowing, right. a process that is going to allow us to engage with life more deeply and live life more fully. Yeah, it's knowing, kind of a
0: continuously knowing, yes, always being cognizant ongoing. and aware of. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. not
1: that I walk, it's emphasizing that I'm walking. So, this is a knowingness. A knowledge that is carrying you along constantly, which relates also to that word "tummy," which you mentioned in the Hebrew about ongoing and perfect yeah. and and uh, eternal. So, knowing that the testing of your faith, uh, uh, knowing that the verse, uh, knowing this that the trying in the King James of your faith worketh patience. I I do agree with you that that root of Meno. Has that idea of dwelling, of abiding. Okay, yeah. it's something again that is there. It's a constant presence because the truth is life often displaces us, uproots us, breaks us, and we can't, we don't feel we can continue going along. And so this word of hupomane uh is this idea in at the end of verse three of endurance. It has this idea of we are still able to dwell. Hupo yeah. is under. We can still dwell and abide even in the face of. This is giving us an ongoing grounding, an ability to be present, to abide, if we have this constant knowing. That's what we have to be rooted in because so much of life uproots that we need something that helps us abide or to endure under life's trials circumstances that really afflict us and that's and, and and so in verse four but let patience have her perfect work or the again that idea i would i would prefer more the endurance and let endurance have its the nrv here uh nrsv is have its uh the nr blah, 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 and let endurance have its full effect but the 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 idea there is for, for the teleon, this ergon teleon, this complete work or perfect work. Is that how they say it? I'm yeah. sorry. King yeah, James. perfect work. Perfect yeah. work. There we go. This word, the root of that is telos. Right. We Which you say, so what? Well, that has to do with distance. Yeah. right? A telescope allows you to see into the distance. Right. I see this as a work, as a practice. This is a practice that James is giving us that we have to work at to perfect, so that we can, I'm using the language intentionally, it is a work, it's an ergon, as he has it here, it is a work that we have to work at to allow us to perfect so that we can go on or continue on and see in the into the distant, we continue on into that distance even though right now it feels like I can't even abide because life is breaking me. This is giving you that long vision. It's not just perfect. It's, it's a perfecting vision almost that allows you to see into the distance beyond what is immediately before us, which is sorrow and pain and loss. So it's, it's not going to make us perfect. I don't think. I, d- I don't I, in in Jewish thought, and we might have there might be a theological difference here. I don't see the potential for perfect anything as humans. So, so I don't certainly hope, not as
0: humans and as these fallen beings we are. I would I would one hundred percent agree with that.
1: So then then what do you do with a the the perfect uh, perfect work?
0: Well, so that's exactly, uh, and I, I would agree with you with that. That Telio's thinking ahead and thinking celestial is one way we could put this right now, okay, right? But, yeah. um, but I would, as I, and this is a word that I've kind of played around with quite a bit. Again, I'm I'm looking at it this as, I I think James, while this is in Greek, and I don't know if he originally wrote it in Greek or if it's translated into Greek, but either way, I think James's mind is based in uh, in Hebrew, and he has a, a, an audience that's based in Hebrew in his mind. I mean, he's the leader of the church in Jerusalem among these Jews, and he's writing to the house of Israel and so on. So I I, I like this idea of it that it's Tamim, right? Which means completed or okay. or finished. But okay. I also think as I look at Tamim and the the first covenant the times it's used, like with Noah or with Abraham, it seems to always be wrapped up with a covenant as well. Like and I think it has a covenant connotation. Um and uh that that's just my take on it. And maybe I think everything has a covenant connotation. I, I certainly have friends who would tell me that. But anyway, um, but uh but I think it has if you're going to be it's like full or entire is in many ways what it means, right? And I think Telios as well, the full or entire on the long-term way, which ties in with this idea of endurance, right? And and I should say that an enduring or endurance is a word that's very important to members of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints because of nephi's writings um where he he places a heavy emphasis on enduring to the end um and uh so in in my mind as i've kind of tried to figure out what is meant by this word in the different places that it's it's meant i think in some ways it means to be if we're going to talk about being whole or complete i think it means to be wholehearted and if it has this covenant connotations it means to be to wholehearted fully <laughs> devoted in in keeping this covenant which i think actually does tie in I, that's in my mind that's exactly why he's going to get in verse 6 saying you can't be wavering or in verse 8 you can't be a double minded man he's contrasting that with being tamim um You can be and 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 with enduring, right? You have to be tamim and enduring. You have to be complete, fully devoted to the covenant, enduring forever, not someone who is split between two things, not someone who wants this and that. And the way to become that is these these temptations, these trials. Trials have a way, and I think this is part of what he's saying, is these trials have a way of cutting off from you the double minded part of you. Either you're going to shatter or you're going to cut th- those are going to be cut away and you're going to become fully focused on God on on being what God wants you to be aligning with him keeping your covenant however you'd like to say this um that's what you have to become and the trials are a way of helping you become that so that you can get through everything else and and I actually think that's part of what verse 5 is as well you may not know how to become this well then ask uh, in fact, if we're, and and I don't, so I want to come back in just a second, but if, uh, if we're, if, since I mentioned verse five, you know, you probably know that for members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, that's an important verse because that's what Joseph Smith reads and it, and it takes him into the grove. But I think we sometimes forget he wasn't going to the sacred grove to find out what church he should join. Uh, I mean, he, he eventually asked that, but his initial in, impulse, is, what's bringing him to this place is he's worried about his sins and he wants to know how to be saved. And he's asked all sorts of people, how can I be saved? And he, he's getting different answers from everyone. So he decides, well, I can't trust what anyone else says. I'm going to have to trust. I'm going to have to find out from God. Mm-hmm. Um, but what he's trying to find out really is how to become Tamim. How and and to endure in that time I mean, that is what his question is. How do I become someone who can endure being saved? And I don't know how to do that. I lack wisdom, so I'm going to go to God and ask Him. And He's going to ask in faith, nothing wavering, not being double minded. He just honestly, sincerely wants to know. And so I think that the meaning of this verse jumps out of Joseph Smith. I think the Holy Ghost carries it into him, but we can understand it, his experience and what needs to happen with us better. If we can think through what is God trying to do with these temptations? How does it create faith and endurance? Well, it creates that by helping us become Tamim or someone who is is complete and whole in our devotion to God rather than we're devoted to God and to false idols, whatever the false idols may be in our life. Whether that be Baal or football, um, wh- wh- whatever whatever works, right? Um, Good. football. So, in my mind, that's that's kind of where these things are going. I jump through a whole bunch of things at once rather than, than just focusing on those one verses, but I understand verse three and four, well, two, three, and four better if I look at that whole picture.
1: Yes, yes. And maybe we will, uh, I'm going to explore with you in a moment the direction that I was led since you actually raised one of the struggles that I had. I, I've never had this struggle with this text before, and I still highly, highly esteem these texts that we're doing. But in a moment, I'd love to know your reaction to. What- well, I'm I'm ready. Let's go. Well, for, I just want to help one thing. Okay. King James, when it says knowing, and again, verse right. three, knowing this is something it is that we have to develop an ongoing awareness of
0: right which child, helps with the endurance right that, that's the idea this knowing has to be stable yeah. and so it yeah. makes me think of the egyptian word stability or or uh, uh lasting forever anyway sorry keep going well
1: no and and that will help us be able to see into the the distance which right. is the word that is used for perfect okay it's it's related to that word for, right. for distance absolutely and King james in verse four uh But let patience have her perfect work, Mm -hmm. that ye may be perfect and entire. Okay, that would be the, this is that idea of wholeness, of tamim that you're speaking of. Right. Wanting nothing. It's interesting, the King James translates verse four both times, perfect, perfect. Her perfect work, and that ye may be perfect. Others don't translate both the same. Some will use in the second case mature, which I prefer. And again, this might be just theological bias, but I'm trying to read more within the text and
0: this on the subtle layers. Right. And they are the same word in Greek. They're the exact same word in Greek. Yes, they are the
1: same. They are I think you're
0: right. Sorry, keep going.
1: I don't know. And then the last word is complete, you know, or whole, whatever. It's rooted in that word in Greek. What I had this time as I was reading, uh, lacking nothing, let's see, verse 5. And if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth or reproach not, and it shall be given him. That's a long verse we need to unpack. Yeah. So up front, I... We, I, I mentioned that I struggle with humans having perfection. I appreciate your wholehearted, your wholehearted reference. And I think that's absolutely intentional here. Yep. And, and
0: I'll say even with that, I don't think as much as that's our goal, I don't think fallen beings are capable of becoming truly, fully wholehearted unless God really changes our heart. And I, I, I think... Uh, even with help from God, most of us are not going to get to that point in this life. That's going to have to happen in the next life. That's just my opinion.
1: No. And and I would even, I would be a little more categorical that period. We're, we're not as humans ever going to have perfect anything. Yeah. And this is why when you, when you brought up in verse six, but let him ask in faith. Absolutely. No problem yet not wavering for he that waver wavereth is like a wave of the sea and forgetting the imagery that it uses about that this idea of wavering wavering in the context of what of not wavering or not being in verse seven uh sorry uh being double-minded this idea of double-minded in the here's what came to me, and you let me know if this is if I'm just off, and I'll give you my reasons why, and then let me know where I've I might have missed something. This is dealing, these verses here are dealing with the most challenging dimension of life for human beings, mm. which is when we suffer. Right. How to make it through, I would never say whole, but how we can make it through less broken. Right. Okay. It doesn't mean my devotion or my faith is not seeking wholeness or seeking purer, a purer manifestation, but I am broken by life. yeah. And to find joy as a grace, that interplay of the word joy and grace through these trials, not temptations, so that there is this... The, that I can, that I may be perfect. I have, I have, I, I, this week for whatever reason, well, I'm sure there is a reason, but the idea of grave, grave suffering Mm -hmm. there as the means, or as a central way of bringing us to wholeness or perfection. And then if we have doubts about that, this seems to be undermining or calling into question something that is so human, so central to who we are, which is we do have doubts. And if we don't have doubt, this seems to be, at least in my read this year, and the the wisdom is necessary. We have to have long vision, broad vision, deep vision, enduring vision, understanding there is perfection. But I don't know about not wavering. And that makes me like a wave that is simply lost. Right. Because I see in the Psalms, not, I I mean, it's, it's explicit, deep, deep wavering. We call them Psalms of lament because they are deeply, deeply struggling with life. Psalm 13 asks, how long are you, I'm summarizing it, but how long are you going to abandon me forever? Right. Okay.
0: And that's a, a question that we like see asked repeatedly. La-
1: yeah, yeah, it does. And that sounds like a double-minded or a doubt. And so I see with uh, what I'm wrestling with this time is, and maybe it's through more of my my Jewish prison I don't see doubt and wrestling, which is what the name Jacob means, by the way. Yeah. right? He wrestled, yep. he struggled with yep. God. I don't see wrestling, doubt, double-mindedness, questioning as antithetical to faith. I see it as central. I see the wholeness, to use that word. I see a whole faith, a complete faith, as being filled with faithfulness and humility and honor, and reverence, and doubt, and struggle, and questions. And maybe, don't cut me off, even anger, and frustration.
0: Yeah, we we see that from the greatest men in the scriptures, we see it.
1: Yes, but here it doesn't seem to be emphasizing it, and he's starting off this idea of perfection. And so I'm wrestling, how do we work within perfecting when life is so imperfect and we according to the text this double-minded or doubting or wavering dimension seems to be antithetical to the overall perfecting of our faith i'd love your thoughts on this
0: yeah and i'm i'm so grateful and i'm i'm going to agree with everything you said and then see uh at least and that's part of what i feel like uh we're going with with verse two where he says, this is why you should lie. You should take joy in these temptations that do break you. They are going to force you to ask questions. They are going to force you to do these things. So maybe we could use um some, some imagery, right? If If we are trying to get to be a being that's made of just one material, and this is the material that is fully, completely devoted to God, and there's nothing else. So if that material is gold, right? but the gold is not to interrupt. I just no, That's fine.
1: I, I want you to focus your response here. I agree with what you said. Focus your response specifically, not on what we all know is that struggles that we've had have made us better. Right? Yes. I am talking about here. His language is all joy. Okay. Count it as all. I'm not speaking here of the struggles that I had to overcome to become a professor like you or a doctor or some type of successful human being. Those are normal struggles. Right. Is James speaking here of raw, violent, vicious, monstrous evil? That's what we are to Uh. count as joy that somebody is torturing. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I'm not going to go into the specifics. Right, I understand. What you have to do is no history and we have monsters. Right. Now I you know James there is a legend and and trust me, I redeem brother James. He, he James brother James is has redeeming wisdom. But I want make I want to make sure your focus is on not what we all agree was a necessary struggle that we had to help us grow or elevate us. A test right. to elevate that Hebrew interplay Right. I'm talking here of raw, tra- raw evil, or simply tragic evil, of a of a poor person who, God forbid, years and years ago, one of the first exposures to death that I ever. I was older; I was my teens. Poor scuba diving accident of a. There was an accident. The son couldn't breathe, with his his ear. Uh-huh. So the father, tragically, I mean. Naturally, he took it off to try and share and he did something wrong and it caused the whole break and it shot him up and his son Uh, there. Okay, we don't have uh, to go just murders and torturers. This is great, great sorrow. Yes. How do I look at that as joy when I'm watching my child perish and it's my fault? Mm -hmm. My I'm talking. Is it this broad or is it more focused? And can I have my doubts and double-minded, or does it have to be all-inclusive? Can does can a perfect faith be one that says, "This wasn't perfect. I wish I would have done it better so that my child would be with me today"?
0: Yeah, I, I, these are the most important of questions, right? And and way above my my ability to fully answer, but uh, I'll give it a shot. So I I will say. Uh, uh, in something like that where maybe it's your fault that someone you loved is suffering or as you said like when someone just does some pure evil things to you or even often even worse to a loved one you know what happens when your child has been molested or raped or something like that and that's just evil what someone did that there's no way around it whatever their own problems whatever is going on with them it's still it's just evil right and maybe that happened to them too and uh and so on you know uh, whatever it that the act and what happened was so fundamentally wrong and evil yes. and causes so much pain and it's really impossible to say that i will take joy okay in that thing is that what but, james is teaching i know we won't we won't right. we can't. i think i don't know so i can't i can only interpret james in light of my own Understanding of what I hope is happening, right? Um, but I think that we can take joy, at least in, even though that shouldn't have happened. Perhaps even that terrible thing can get us to be the something that's different. So it 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 something like that shatters you. It, it really. And I mean, I've been studying trauma lately and what happens to your brain. It shatters your brain. Your brain behaves differently. It doesn't function the right way after something like that. It does. Parts of it are functioning too much and other parts aren't functioning at all and so on. And and th- there are connections that used to be in the brain aren't connecting anymore. L- really, in some ways, literally, your brain is shattered by something like that. Your your spirit is shattered by something like that. And I wouldn't wish that on anyone. Um, and And I'm very cognizant here. I can remember when my my father was uh, suffering from Parkinson's and it was giving him uh, blood clots and all sorts of really terrible, difficult things. And uh, and a young uh, missionary was visiting with him and just said, oh, well, this is just, uh, it, it, you know, something that uh, you're going through to help you to grow. And, and while I'm sure that's true, um, it, it was almost insulting uh, to say it, right? Like, uh, well, if you would have, it, it almost felt like you're saying, well, if you could have just grown on your own you wouldn't have to go through this but you didn't so uh so now you have to have this right and and i don't think i don't want to be saying that right but i do think that even with those terrible things when we are shattered if it helps us come to god then we are less double-minded right so we are going to have questions we are going to have doubts that's part of the process And I don't want to glorify doubts and I don't want to glorify pain and suffering, but they are part of the process that then when, if, if that forces us to come to God, even if that event should have never happened. And I'm, I'm not saying that uh, please no one misunderstand me that God was happy to have someone molested so that they could come to him. I'm not saying that right. But, um, but if that shatters us so that we say, I can't fix myself. I can't find joy on my own. I don't know what to do. And so we come to God, having wavered maybe a thousand times, but we have that moment where the spirit fills us enough that in that moment, we fullheartedly come to God because we need him so desperately. Then God can heal us. And I don't think he some. There are times where the miracle is such that healing happens all at once. Most of the time, it's a series of miracles where healing happens over a long process of time. But it can help us to then, at the end, be less double-minded than we were. And I don't think, just like we said, we're not going to be perfect in this life. We're not going to be tamim. That means that there will be a part of us that is double-minded to the very end of our life, that is looking both to God for answers and to the the some imperfect thing that is not going to really give us answers. We're, we're, we're looking to both. But hopefully we're shattering away more of the looking in the wrong place and and thus gaining more of the looking to god um as so that we will become less and less double-minded and more and more tamim over time or more and more perfected so and enduring with the ability to endure over time Uh, but it's a painful painful process and i think sometimes more painful than than it needs to be because we live in a fallen world where there, there's too much. I can't say too much agency, but sometimes I feel like that. There's too much agency. There are too many people running around doing terrible things. And I've seen it up way too close uh, with people that I love that uh, uh, it's hard. To, I'll be honest. Sometimes I, I'm a basically happy person, uh, but sometimes it's hard to find joy when you're thinking of bad things that have happened to to good people or even to bad people. And
1: what else? I think we all need to be aware of in this. What what's sad? You were you were mourning agency you know, to some extent because if we didn't have agency and we were robots, we could be programmed to be good. Yeah, but, that's right. But that wouldn't but quite work real, out, would it? Tragic yeah. side to that also. Yeah. But the tragedy, I think, also of the potential. In these verses is what that I'm sure very loving missionary, but in many ways he didn't have a broad vision of life. Yeah, just a young stayed. kid, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. but yeah. but the thing is, is we often as as adults do the same. We yes. don't want to face this potential ambiguity, so we give it more of a concrete dimension, and we I think really undermine. And give a plat. There's nothing worse than platitudes except a spiritual platitude. It doesn't nourish.
0: Hmm. It
1: leaves us empty and hurt. When someone, when you've heard it, you've heard this. Whether it's true or not is irrelevant. In Judaism, we have a teaching: don't offer comfort to a person whose dead is lying before them. When someone says, "Well, they lived a long life to you after your mother or father died," or they're in a better place, or God doesn't give you a test that you can't withstand, not the time. Right. Right. This can this is often you we're to count it as joy. It's almost like a knee jerk response that we have to, rather than going through the process of this, yeah, we don't just arrive at this. And it's very interesting in the King James. I I object to this translation to some extent, even though I admit with all humility they were a lot smarter than I was. But I think you're going to agree when it says in verse four but let patience have her perfect work that ye may be perfect and uh, and entire wanting nothing i don't think that brings out the sense of the word because the next verse verse 5 says if you lack wisdom yep. well wanting nothing and lacking are the, you're not if you want nothing you don't lack but in the greek it's the same root and so there's a there's a direct link between the the end of 4 which speaks right. of lacking nothing not wanting nothing but lacking nothing yeah and this idea that we we can't we can't have this as our this is something that we have to mature into we will never be perfect that's why i don't like the word in one sense perfect unless we're speaking of god This is something we perfect our way. As we ongoingly know and grow in knowledge, we will be perfecting, just not perfect. We will grow and mature, but never be perfect because we always will lack. And that is part of our overall process. But when we come, because that's what we're supposed to say, this is what it says, I'm supposed to have perfect faith. It's not honest faith. It's not authentic. And if we're not there, Keep this as a distant vision that we are to see into, that we can right. mature into more of. But don't make it all up front now that I have, if I don't, because that's going to leave you empty. Then you really will lack. Yeah. And the way that we grow and in this knowledge, this ongoing growing in knowledge, is what we begin with in that famous, famous verse that is so central to everybody who 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 is seeking the site the sacred and if you lack wisdom it is wisdom we need deep deep wisdom to help us through this it doesn't just happen amen wisdom is central and essential and if you're lacking wisdom this is so beautiful in verse 5 but if any one of you I'm just doing it from the greek if any one of you is is lacking in wisdom, let him ask. How often do we ask? Hmm. How often? You might remember Jesus one time in this famous sermon. You may have heard of it, the Sermon on the
0: Mount. I, I heard of that once, yeah. It was on an ad, I think.
1: Yeah, so he, he yeah. gives, well, Jesus gives some great wisdom in life. But have you ever heard of ask? Remember his famous ask? <laughs> yeah how often, this this is not just for a specific, this is, I think this is a, a gift, an offering from James to us, saying, ask. Are we seeking to ask, or are we simply believing that we already know? Mm. We lack wisdom, and yet the one thing we so often don't do is humbly ask. We need to seek answers. If we ask, is at least the potential that it will be given, That's and good. we will receive, not and become in my mind, not and become perfect. You know, we have an intro, I'm going to get in trouble for this one, but I'm going to. You, you already exposed yourself, so uh, I'm going to expose myself to some maybe unconventional thought. Mine's more unconventional than yours. We have a prayer, traditional prayer that or a teaching that we say every day from Maimonides, hmm. uh, the Anima Amin. I believe, the Amunah Shlema, with perfect faith. And then he gives the 13 things that he believes as foundational principles from Judaism to guide you in life. To be honest, sorry, all my friends out there, I don't have perfect faith. And I don't say I believe with perfect faith. And this is not a discussion of how I resolve that, but I pray for a more perfect, or Mm -hmm. a perfecting, or in this language here, a maturing of my faith into this wisdom so that I can grow more perfect, but I don't have perfect faith. There is only one perfection, and that's from above. And the more we seek and ask guidance and surrender into that perfect wisdom that we ask for, we will become perfected but not perfect and that's my that's a good way of putting it okay i am imperfectly seeking perfection that i will never achieve but i can grow in my imperfections i can grow in my imperfection in in my imperfect ways i can grow more perfect okay but there's always imperfection and i am imperfectly perfect as long as i am perfecting but (laughs) never Perfect.
0: That's good, and and may, this may be one of the places where we have a a, a theological difference. So, because I think that uh, in our faith we would say, but I think we even this we have to qualify. Perfection is not going to happen in this life for for sure. Like uh, President Nelson has the same perfection pending, right? It's just it's not <laughs> happening now. Um, but that's great um, alliteration. In addition to great wisdom, that's great alliteration. Yeah, yeah, yes, it is. Um, but uh, the, we do believe that in in the hereafter in Christ, we can be made perfect. I think in in the terms I've been talking about, like finished, completed, uh, we might call it being Christ-like. Um, it, I, we need to have this qualification. It does not mean that we replace God, we become equal to God or anything along those lines. But we can become godly or Christ-like uh, without blemish, you could say. Um, sanctified is another way you could maybe say that. Right. But I don't think that we're going to reach that in this life. In my mind, verse four is the the goal, what we're looking for. And I love your idea of maybe right now, what we're looking for is a more mature uh, being able to endure in a more mature way, maybe. But uh, verse four is what we're, we're aiming for and not going to hit in this life, but it's, okay. we should be aiming that's, that's the target we're shooting at. Verse five is the process. Uh, and six, is the the warning of the difficulty of the process in some what ways what do you do with verse 8 which is the the end of this yeah and i think verse 8 mm-hmm. is important because in in many ways it describes all of us but hopefully let's let's through, read it through, just so everybody okay. hears okay yeah yeah thank you yeah yeah go uh, ahead
1: uh, a double minded man is unstable in all his ways
0: and I think that's incredibly true. But I think that verse two is telling us how we become less and less like verse eight. So I, and, and there, there's a part of all of us, I believe, that we're dual beings, that there's a divine nature within us and a fallen nature within us. And, uh, and as we pursue that divine nature, if we were to pursue that wholeheartedly in a Tamim way, right, wholeheartedly, then we'd have a straight course. It wouldn't vary. It wouldn't go anywhere. But none of us are really wholehearted. Uh, We're not full. In fact, I gave a a devotional one time at BYU called Why We Should Be Wholeheartedly Holy. But I know we can't be wholehearted. (laughs) Um, I I know know we can't. It's just what we should be aiming at. It's what we should be shooting for. In the meantime, uh, what reality is for me is that hopefully most of the time I'm focused on wholeheartedly following God and submitting my will to God's. But every now and then I'm submitting my will to some ideas I got from the world and, mm-hmm. and to the, the natural man me, my, my physical shortcomings and whatever else, right. Uh, desires of the flesh, all the different ways that the scriptures talk about this. So we all are, are uh, unstable, right. And uh, in one way or another now, some people are really doing a whole bunch of both, and they're gyrating all over the place. And we've we've all been involved with those people. Like I just don't even know what to expect from this person, right? Um, and sometimes that's been me, I'm sure. But uh, but hopefully we're in the process of becoming less double-minded. We're all unstable to some degree. We all fall because we're unstable. We we all mess up. We whatever else. But the process of verse two and of verse five is what splits off the 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 wrong part of our mind the part that we're following the wrong way and helps us become more wholehearted or more tamim so that we are more stable more mature you could say and and if uh, hopefully we can endure through all of these things right rather than keep being unstable and eventually fall and not get up the question is are you going to get back up when you fall can we fully abide, endure?
1: This, I don't know if we can, I, my, my sense here in, in this area of life that is so challenging for, in the end, most most human beings, all human beings suffer, some just almost with just horrific, tragic, Yes. I don't know about abiding. I don't know how that type of uprooting, how we can ever fully yeah. abide again here. And I agree with you. But it is interesting. Verses two through eight, I think, are two units. Okay, I think two to four is one, and five to eight is another.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but it's fascinating. But they
0: are. But but they are, 100%, are tied together. Hundred
1: yeah. percent. But, but and then verse nine, we go on to a separate subject, Agree. Yeah, but what's interesting is the first word in verse two, all joy considerate in the Greek, all joy considerate. And the last, almost the last word in verse eight, again, when it says uh, about being double minded and unstable, uh, uh in, in all of his ways, we've got all again. So right. we've got this, these two sections, or this one broad section framed with the allness. This is all inclusive allness for all of us in all of our experiences that is helping us to come to that place of abiding more fully and wholeheartedly in your language and maturing in this place that we call on this plane of, 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 of earthly dwelling. When we know the gift is that we know we are going to have tests and trials and, and traumas. And what he is offering here is a way of wisdom to help us not perfectly root or abide or ground or blossom, but to help us see in our imperfection. Remember that word for perfect here that is being used has that root of the word distance. Right. That we can see. Beyond into the distance, that this is not, that this imperfection here is not the ultimate end. That in the distant, after, beyond, right. there is a place where we will. That's our faith. That's what we ultimately can take heart and abide in. But I don't know if we ever get that ultimate place
0: here of perfect I don't think so. perfecting faith. No, I, I think not. I don't think so. That's not
1: double-minded that. I think we can take this too, too narrowly that I can't have doubts. You, you know, the people, you know, in Mark 16 at the end where it talks about the snakes. Yeah. Okay. You know, there's a group in, in certain parts of the South where they, the snake handlers to show that even if you're bitten by a snake, if you have faith, you won't be harmed. And if you get bit and you recover, it means you have doubts. We have to be careful with yep. over literalizing or or over emphasizing this concept outside of its broader concept. It is speaking here, the beginning and the end, verse two, and verse eight of allness. Yep. There is an all-encompassing, all-inclusive path here and vision. It's not that we will see all of it here, right. There is an all all-encompassing and an ever encompassing presence that awaits us but we will not see or experience all here and double mindedness or doubt or questions i think they are in this in our tradition they are a more honored we we have in our talmud disputes and and doubts and back and forth right in our oral tradition we do see and this might just be slightly different path we do see this wrestling as a way in, not as a sign that you're out. And that's why we love the model, or I love the model of Jacob of is is becoming Israel is he went from the heel his name means heel in the Jacob. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's mechanism. about
0: his his holding on to Esau, right? So it's Correct. about this this holding on no matter what.
1: That's the that's the literal context,
0: right. but the
1: midrashic or metaphoric is. It's the lowest part of our being. He wasn't holding onto the heel. He was holding onto the ankle. Uh, Trust me, he wasn't holding onto the heel. Yeah, and yeah, I don't yeah. know if he has a big enough hand to hold around the ankle. Whether it's a literal truth or not, I'm right. not worried. But I am telling you his name metaphorically. When he goes from Jacob, heel, the lowest part of our being, to Yisrael, which is a higher part, his name becomes one who wrestles, struggles with God, I see this as part of the wrestling, as a way of coming to and elevating and lifting up our awareness and our encounter and our engagement with God. I think it includes all faith, doubt, questions, wrestling, anger, struggle. Absolutely.
0: Okay, then. In fact, I would say one of the most transformative moments, if we're going to look at the life of Joseph Smith. One of the most transformative moments, and and my one of my favorite LDS authors, Neil A. Maxwell, has written two books on oh, this. Yeah. But um, oh, uh, great. the is the moment where Joseph Smith is in Liberty Jail, and he's hearing about as as you're talking about the the tragedy, the the terrible things that are happening to the Saints, um, mm-hmm. that that are just pure evil. Yeah. And he cries out, Oh God, where is thy hiding place? And where is the pavilion that covers your face? Right. This you can just feel in his heart in his soul that how torn it is and his struggle. That's a doubt. That's a question. That's pain. And, and he's reaching out saying, where are you? Why is this happening? And. The answers that come are transformative for him, and, and that's part of what Elder Maxwell shows in some of these books is you can see a different Joseph before the jail uh, than you see after after this experience. Now, it doesn't mean it was, boom, okay, now you're fine. I give you an answer, and boom, it's fine. Um, I, again, I think that uh, one of the things I see people struggle with is not looking for the so not looking for how far away this is, and thinking that we should be reaching it soon or in this life and and so then they feel bad that they're double-minded and unstable right um where the question and i've i've even this is in writing i've asked this question did you really think you'd be done struggling before this life was over did you feel like you were going to get to a place where okay i'm done struggling i'm coasting now because i'm I'm done i don't have any more struggles i'm perfect and the answer is no of course not however good a person you are you will be struggling to the very last breath with something because we're not perfect yet and and uh and so we will be unstable in some of our ways. But the question is, are you are you recognizing it and lacking wisdom, coming to God and letting those diverse trials tear you away from God or bring you to God is, is in my mind, kind of what the question is. And I don't think Joseph Smith had Joseph Smith said,
1: this is all for the good. I don't believe your prophet would have reached the state or level of wisdom and insight that he did by saying, basically, like Jesus on the cross, right?
0: Yeah. yeah. Like You've
1: taken you? me where? What is happening here? He allowed that what they're calling here is this, this unstable, I this unstable in this instability. This somehow brings us to that place of stability. Right. This doubt will bring us into a place of certainty, or of, of, of growing in certainty. I don't see these, these as antithetical to each other, doubt. No. And, I see them as necessary partners, and they help. it helps us grow. That's a beautiful example with Joseph Smith. He was honest with where he was, and very often we aren't. We think we have to say, I have faith. I know it's for the best. Yeah. That's what we say, but inside our lips that's what we are on our lips, but but that's far from our heart, you know? So we have to be honoring of that place of our great of our great sages and saints who do go through the same thing and experience the doubt. And if they can experience that doubt mm-hmm. and wrestling and struggle, who are we to not? That's yeah, that's how they got there by being honest, authentic, and present with where they were. And I think that perfects more than dishonest perfect faith
0: and yeah. in, in fact I would argue and this kind of goes back to the discussion about Abraham and binding Isaac and so on but I would argue that the more mature your faith is the more stable you are spiritually the less double-minded you are then the the greater the degree of difficulty you're going to experience as God tries to get you to the next level right if he as he's trying to help you to become more tummy more more wholehearted, uh, if, if you've already come a long ways, then the, the trial to get you the next step is going to be all the tougher. And, uh, and, and I hope I'm not making people feel depressed by saying that. Um, but, uh, uh, I think that it is in the nature of our human mortal experience to throughout our life, have things happen to us that make us say, oh, how, how, how now, what now, what I don't, I don't. I don't get this. I thought I was past this or whatever else. I don't know. There are a thousand ways that this will be expressed. But I think this is just going to, you know, I I think sometimes of the irony of uh, President Nelson, who is at the time this story happens, has been an apostle for a very long time and is a world famous heart surgeon and holds his wife as she dies of a heart attack and he can't save her. And he tries and he can't save her. Right. I mean, if, if, if you want to talk about personalized trial, I think that's one. And, uh, and I, if you were to tell me that he had no pain, no questions of why did this happen? What am I supposed to do now? How, how could, yeah, I, I, I mean, I think he approached it with great faith, Yes. but he, the growth had to have come through pain. Right. Um, and, and I think we're all going, and this is when he's already an old man, right? Uh, I mean, I, I don't say that disrespectfully, but uh, he'd already demonstrated great faithfulness to God for a very long time and still is going to go through difficult things as part of his, he, he's going to go through diverse trials as part of his, his uh, journey to being Tamim, and we all will as well. And I think you're right. We can't. We back. can't just say, "Oh, it'll be fine. Don't worry about it." That's <laughs> uh, a
1: beautiful way to link it back to verse two, the, with the diverse trials, which is which is where it began. And I would I would leave. I knew we wouldn't get to. I figured if you went in this direction with me, I knew we would stay with this the whole time. And I'm grateful, yeah. and I'm I'm overjoyed that we that we did to tell you the truth. But it was it's fascinating when when it starts off, James, in, in James 1 verse 2, and uh, the King James, my brothers, count it all joy, when yeah. you fall into diverse temptations. I'm just looking at the Greek and the, the King James here. But it is interesting that often in, in Greek, the verb comes first, certainly before the subject, but it begins with all joy it doesn't say consider it all joy it says all joy consider it which to yeah. me has this more emphatic dimension or dynamic to it but yeah. emphasis I on even, joy
0: right yes
1: exactly yeah. 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 all and what is fascinating for me i just thought of this and it's always dangerous to share immediate thoughts because then you realize after about a Few hours later, when you think about it, maybe I shouldn't have said that, but I'm going to go with <laughs> it. I think this is intentional. I don't know if I can consider all suffering and trials as joy. I admit that up front. I can. I hope to mature in that. Yeah. Never to be perfect. But what is fascinating is this word in in the Greek. It's charan, but that's that's not that. That's because it's in the it's, That's a case ending, but it's kharas or Mm kharas. It also is the same root idea of of kharis or kharis, which is grace. Right. The question that I would leave us with, and this is it's a meditation that I think I will have for some time after our last conversations on a conversation on Colossians. I really, I I admit I didn't go through. Come follow me. Which I've been going through, in the I, I didn't I, I I went through Come Follow Me, but I stayed with Colossians. I didn't continue with the rest hmm. of the program because I was still staying with our discussion that we had. Right, and I, it might happen this week with this thought: when it says all joy, consider it. Whenever you're falling into these trials, moments of suffering. That word. I don't think this is an accidental choice of, of of words when he uses the word joy this word joy is also related to the word essentially for grace mm-hmm. grace my hope and my prayer i'll leave you with this i leave myself i hope with this is that as we go through these diverse how's it called sorry diverse uh temptations or trials can, yeah i'm not going to go temptations these diverse yeah. trials as we suffer in life my prayer is not that I can come out with joy, but my prayer is that I still have grace in my life, that I can still live with that light of grace and find some spark of joy. I don't know about all this, but I do hope that when I struggle and when we struggle, which we will, as you so clearly said, it's not depressing. Okay, the med- the, the rabbis teach in an ancient text that we call midrash it's a poetic text or a poetic way of reading our textual heritage it essentially says if you want to make it through life you have to have a heart that can endure suffering okay that's not glorious hallelujah praise the lord (laughs) but it's an honest yeah teaching and that's wisdom that's wise wisdom. Don't tell me what, what what's a, they lived happily ever after. <laughs> That's a fairy tale. I want reality. And life is often very, very dark and painful. My hope, I don't know about, I'll be able to consider it or count it as joy. I don't. I hope I can still have joy in my life after I am broken by life. But what I also hope for with this root word of, of of joy in the Greek is that I'm still able to live in a place of grace and with grace. and That, for me, would be deep joy. That's my hope. That's my prayer. I'm so grateful for this, this time together. And I hope it leads us into a deeper place of wisdom, and remember, wisdom is something we have to ask for. So keep asking, keep seeking. And I look forward to coming together again in more dialogue. And when I come out to Utah, I look forward to seeing you again in
0: person. Amen to all of that. Amen. And, and thank you for being with us. And we want to thank our audience for being with us and, and invite them to uh, tune in. Next week, we'll have De- Dr. Uh, Jennifer Clark Lane on to do First and Second Peter. But uh, in the meantime, I, I can't imagine that you haven't been helped in some way by this conversation. And so I hope you'll share it with others and uh, and help them. Uh, experience that grace uh, in the midst of sorrow and come to God so that he can give them that grace to find the joy and, and to, to move towards him always, as, as uh, our dear friend Rabbi Joe Charnas has helped us to see. So thank you, Rabbi. Thank you, Professor. Blessings. Blessings to you.